0: You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book
1: culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about essay collections and interviewing and Donahue. But first... What are you reading, Bria? I'm reading uh, the book we are going to do for our book club next month. We're do- So we're doing a book club, a live stream book club. Yes, this little bookmark here. Little bookmark, we're doing a live stream book club on... September 6th. Thank you. September 6th. At 6 p.m. Probably-ish. Specific time. time. Something
0: like that. 6 p.m. ish. It's going to be like the last time we did this. It's going to be a live Google Hangout open for everybody. We will put up a link. Uh, we'll do a Facebook event. Uh, just click it and come hang out. Talk about the book with us. Ask us questions.
1: Yeah, and the book is called God's Monsters and the Lucky Peach by Kelly Robson. Yeah, it's a com novella. And- yeah, so it's short, so you can get through it. If you haven't started reading it yet, you can actually go get this book. They had it in my library, so I just got it in the e- e-form from my library. Or you can also download it in e-form. and They're very cheap, these novellas.
0: I think it was on sale for like two ninety nine. Yeah, it's super or cheap, and,
1: and they're short, so you can actually finish it in the amount of time you have left listening to this podcast. And it's—I'm not very far into it yet. You've already finished it. I finish it. Yeah, because all. Right now it feels like a lot of it's uh, very front-loaded science fiction with bureaucracy. bureaucracy
0: information. Okay,
1: okay. But it's going to become, because the, it's about, there's people who live in this sort of post-apocalyptic world, and the main lady we're following has like six mechanical legs. Is that right? Yes, but they're tentacles. But they're tentacles. And I'm sorry, everyone, if you can hear, I have a foster dog in here, and she likes to... Lick her own feet, so
0: she is doing that right now. Who through the can entire deny podcast? her the small pleasures of life? Just licking her own feet. <laughs> her, her name is Bertha. Congratulations to Bria for
1: getting this dog. She's yeah, very small and cute and fluffy. She's, she's very cute. She's very adorable. She's a foster and uh, probably keep her because she's too cute. And I don't know how fostering is hard, not because the dog, but because now I already love this dog. One of our cats started out as
0: a foster cat, and Alan had the cat for less than twenty four hours, and that right. was Banshee. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yep. Um, what are you reading, Mallory? Uh, I am doing a reread, actually, which is actually going to be my recommendation for the um, our recommendation request that's coming up next. But it's one of my favorite Shirley Jackson books. It's We've Always Lived in the Castle.
1: You know, I actually just read this. Oh, I love it so much. I didn't talk about it on the show because it was like in between shows, but I read oh. it because it's a quick read. It's a
0: wicked quick read. It's a short novel, uh, and I'm going to be getting a tattoo from it at some point this year uh, within the next six months. And uh, I oh I like to do rereads every once in a while, and I always do try to do one summer reread of a favorite. And um, this was the one for this year. Uh, We've always lived in the castle is one of Shirley Jack. I think it was Shirley Jackson's last published novel. It's about these two sisters, and their entire family has died. And it's an older sister, younger sister, and they um they live in this weird old house in this town that clearly everyone in the town hates them and is doesn't like them at all. And as they go through their daily lives, you start to find out why the entire family's dead. And you start to figure out maybe you, the, the story that you started getting at the beginning isn't quite true. And it gets a li- starts getting creepier and creepier and more
1: tense. And well, it- there's an uncle there too, right? Oh, I think At the so. beginning. I mean, I yeah. literally just read this oh, book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it, it is, it's is—it's a great book. Oh, it's so uh, Growing good. up in a small town, too, the whole time I was reading it, I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, such a, like, this is total small town stuff that oh, happens. Oh, yeah. And that's what Shirley
0: Jackson is best at is, like, the super tense, psychological, very in-your-mind, not sure what's going on, not sure what people are thinking, unreliable narrator stuff, and it's
1: so fucking good. So I'm that's uh, We've Always it. Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. And God... Gods, Monsters, and The Lucky Peach by Kelly Robson.
0: So we're going to take a moment to answer a recommendation request from Lara. Can you recommend me some books with the main character being an antihero? I love that character type, but I just can't seem to find any. I tend to read a lot of fantasy, but I'm open to most genres. Bria,
1: what should she read? I also love antiheroes, but I think it's a, like, murky category. Yeah,
0: because the there's, I feel like there's a lot of antiheroes that, like, redeem themselves. It's hard to find one that just stays an antihero.
1: Right, because then you're following someone that you don't necessarily like. So yeah. it's like they usually start in a way where you're like, "Oh, this person." It's like a little. It's like that show House, you know, <laughs> like where he's like he's like an antihero, right? Yeah, like, he's like a oh, he has he's he's such a like curmudgeonly old man, but as it turns out, he's a genius. So whatever. it's hard
0: to walk that line between being an antihero and being unlikable and not wanting to spend time with them.
1: Yeah, exactly. So my thing about. Anti heroes is that I feel like there are very few female anti heroes. This is actually something I think about a lot as yes. far as media goes. Um, so I'm going to make a suggestion that a suggestion that is um, it may be controversial because I don't know if it is an anti hero, but really? I I think it's an interesting character, which is uh, uh, Michelle Baker's Borderline, who is amazing. So Borderline um, is a sort of fantasy fairy world where this there's that exists along our world, and this woman gets involved. Uh, in that world and has to like do like detective-y sort of stuff and um but she has borderline personality disorder. Her character is very hard to get along with and alienates people and like talks about it. It's from first I think it's first person perspective but um but it talks about how she, she just has trouble keeping people around and um is constantly just like you know, she just alienates people all the time and has a really bad temper. And so she's. it's a really great book. It's a really fun sci-fi uh, or a fantasy book. But also, an. Int- I think, just like a complicated female character. Um, People may disagree with me and be like, that's not an anti-hero. That's a person with a mental illness. But I, I think that like what we're talking anti-hero, if we're just saying like it's a person who is complicated, who isn't necessarily 100% we're cheering for them the whole time, Like that's how I'm defining anti-hero. Yes. Right? Yes. Is that how you define
0: that? Yeah. And also I feel like some of the, the character's surliness isn't necessarily just her mental illness. I think that, you know, being an antihero can be both. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the what's cool about Michelle's work is that... You can Like, there's gray areas, there. and yeah. you can hold both pieces at the same time.
1: Which I think is, like, just to, like, get on a little bit of a feminist soapbox. Like, I think it's really important to have— Always get on your feminist <laughs> soapbox. <laughs> Excuse me. Let me pull out this soapbox that I keep I keep with me at all times. Yes. <laughs> is that uh, until we make these women who are somewhat unlikable and very complicated, and we aren't—they aren't 100% perfect all the time. Like, that's what we actually need to see. Yeah. I think it's great to see, like, cool female leads, but, like, make them complicated. Make the lady house— like like speaking of house, make Lady House.
0: <laughs> I'm into it. I mean it's just i love called like, Lady
1: House. <laughs> and it's just a bunch of cool women living <laughs> in a house.
0: I mean I'm into that.
1: I am too. But it is but I just like they're they're we have like the Walter Whites of the world and I feel like we're getting to that, like sharp objects, like just I don't know if you're watching a TV show. But she's like a complicated you know character. My, you know the answer to that question <laughs> right, yeah, already. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but John literally said, Is Mallory watching this show? She'd really like it. And I said, I'm sure she's not. She doesn't watch TV. Anyway, we got on a very long tangent. Uh, the other thing I was going to re- uh, recommend was Wicked. Oh, yeah. Because that's a very easy yes. anti hero, like complicated character. Or anything by Gillian Flynn. Yeah. Right? I mean, those are every woman in those books. are They're all comp, all the women are complicated. Oh, yeah. And yeah. What do you think?
0: Well, I, I was also going to add one of the things that, um, about just one more thing about the anti hero thing is I think it's super important for us to have characters with that like deal with mental illness as both heroes and anti-heroes mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because like just because every like just to sort of normalize it cuz so many people struggle with mental illness. I struggle with mental illness every day and it's I get really excited when I see both heroes and anti-heroes that deal with it and it's just kind of like a thing that people deal with. Yeah, yeah. Uh my, I have two recommendations. One I just talked about, We've Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. Uh the main character is definitely an anti-hero. She's very complicated and she's a... Uh, uh, girl, she's a teenager. Uh, very, very compelling. Uh, it's horror slash literary fiction. Shirley Jackson is one of my favorite writers ever. I think she's the queen of horror. She was, as I, as a, I'd like to put it, one bad bitch.
2: <laughs> and
0: um, also, you can read uh, Grendel by John Gardner. It's a literary fiction. It's from the. It's the story of Beowulf and Grendel from the perspective of Grendel.
1: Oh yeah, so like Wicked, same, same. Yes. Like we just take these other characters and-,
0: and this. Well, this is definitely like really weird. Uh, it's very. Have you ever read this? Mm-mm. It's very strange. Hmm. Um, So if you know, it's amazing, but it's wicked weird. Hmm. You know, it's him like it's Grendel. So it's like monster thoughts. And he's just like talking about his big monster balls and like <laughs> scratching his monster butt and thinking about eating people. But it's really cool. It's a really cool look at the story. And it's really fun. I think he's a fun antihero. Oh, that's cool. Also, quick bookmark for me, I am going to be at Dragon Con this year. So if you are in Atlanta and you're going to the con, I'm going to be there all days of the convention. I have a panel on Saturday about producing films. Uh, My movie is showing Friday and Sunday. Yamasong, so if you want to come see my movie, if you want to come see me uh, after my panel, you can come totally talk to me about reading glasses. If you see me walking around the con, Totally come up and say hi. Please don't be shy. I'm very easy to find. I have (laughs) blue and purple hair and glasses, and I'm covered in tattoos, and I'm very loud, and I will probably be walking around with a giant mohawk Viking man with tattoos. Can't miss me. Uh, (laughs) Yes, come say hi. Uh, So you can always email your recommendation request to us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, before we talk about essays, we're going to take a quick break.
3: Welcome. Thank you. No problem. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. What do you look for in a podcast? Reliability is big for me. Power.
0: I'd say comfort. What do you think of this? Oh. That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor? And down from the ceiling? That can't be safe. I'm upset.
3: Can we go now? Soon. Jordan Jesse Go. A real podcast.
0: All right, so this week, it's all about essays and essay collections. When you're young and in school, you're practically trained to hide under a rock when essays are mentioned. But essays aren't actually bad, it's not all five paragraphers explaining what you did on your summer vacation.
1: Essay collections are a really wonderful corner of the literary world. They can be a lot of fun to read. Um, I remember I learned to write an essay when I was in school, and then I used it to convince my dad that I should get a belly button ring. I was should be able to get a belly button ring. By the way, I think I was 13 or 14. I can't remember how young. I was very young. Um, young
2: rebel over here. So he was
1: really—but then I wrote, like, an essay— because I learned to write it I, in school, and he I, was very impressed, and he let me get my belly button pierced, wow, I just, and now he can be blamed for my 90s-era uh, scar on my I belly button. I have one, button. too. Yeah, but I, I pierced it myself with a safety pin. Well, my friend's dad did it who was a vet. Veterinarian. Not like a... Like, a, <laughs> <laughs> like we went into the vet office. Uh, sorry, I just surprised. <laughs> did you hit your head on the microphone? <gasps> no, it's just such a weird sentence. Well, I live (laughs) in East Texas. This is what you do. Who else is going to do it? You can go to, like, Claire's Boutique, but we had to drive really far, and I think I wasn't old enough. I'm just imagining you strapped to this tiny-ass table. Well, I did have to lay on the table, I remember. (laughs) And then, and in my memory, in my memory, which I think is a false memory, it's the the thing that you, like, um, use for, to, like, uh, pierce cow's ears to tag them.
2: You got tagged! Yeah, but
1: I think that's a, I think I've made that up. I think that's not real.
2: (laughs) That's anyway, that, so, I use that, but if anything
0: to speaks to the power of essays. The power of
1: essays. This is amazing.
0: But first off, all right, what is an essay? So, an essay is just a short, like from one page to many pages, uh, piece of writing on a particular subject. That's it. That's all it is. Sometimes it's making a point, like you should get a belly button piercing, <laughs> or it's exemplifying a certain perspective or an idea, but that's all essays are, folks. It's just short pieces of writing.
1: Essay collections can be by one author or a bunch of different authors all writing about the same theme or subject. And you can get as general or as specific as you want. So there are essay collections about everything from Florida to political movements to cute pets. Uh, And don't forget there
0: are classics in this genre or this corner of the literary world as well. Uh, Self-Reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Notes of a Native Son by James Baldwin. Sister Outsider by uh,
1: Audre Lorde. I love that book. Do you read essay collections? I do, but not often. Um, they have to be highly recommended by somebody or by an author that I already love. Um, I'm way more likely to pick up an essay collection by like one author. So, like, I loved Cameron Hurley's "Geek Feminist rev- uh, Feminist Geek Revolution," or as I like to call her, Cameron Fucking Hurley. Cameron Fucking Hurley's Fucking Feminist Fucking Geek Fucking Revolution. <laughs> I want an alternate cover that has that. <laughs> um, that like that was a really good, interesting read. It had a lot of stuff that I was interested in, like about like science fiction and women and feminism. Um, but also she's just a writer I like, so that yeah. just that that makes me that 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 really, um, makes me want to pick one up. I have this weird guilt thing. Can I talk about it? Yeah, I'm going to talk about it. So I get this thing where if I'm reading an essay book and it's by a bunch of different authors, and I. And reading someone's essay, I'm like, oh, well, this one's kind of boring. It's not something I'm interested in. I feel a guilt thing when I don't finish it, and then I have that thing where I'm like, did I really read the book? Can I put it on Goodreads? That you know I read it. So I have this like weird guilt when I'm reading an essay collection by many authors.
0: I'm gonna little little hack. I'm releasing you from that. Oh yeah, I'm releasing you from essay obligation. If you get one an essay collection and one essay is boring, just skip to the next.
1: Just do it. I do that. Just fucking skip it. Because there's so many that have, like, I'm very interested in some of the essays, but some of them I'm like, I just can't relate to this. Yeah,
0: do it. Controversial opinion. The new police aren't coming after you. It's okay. <laughs> and, you know, you could still say that you read the whole book. That's I mean, true. if you skip, like, 75% of the essays.
1: Then it's like I read. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But if you, you're skipping one every few essays or every 10 essays, you skip one, fuck it. You read the book, just skip
1: it. Yeah. It's totally okay. You're totally right. I just, like, don't read essay books enough to, like, where I feel, like, comfortable doing it i, I just guess. read
0: an essay collection that i really liked uh, but i skipped some of the essays it's um they can't kill us till they kill us by hanif Abdurraqib, and it's wicked good but a lot of the essays he's a music writer and he's really really into music so a lot of the essays are looking at themes uh like uh, things that are going on in the country right now politically but seen through the lens of like certain songs or certain albums oh interesting and if i hadn't heard the album or the song, and I wasn't familiar with the band that he was talking about. I just skipped it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, totally it's hard fun. to, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Do okay,
1: do you read essay collection- collections? I love
0: essay collections. Uh, I love reading someone's thoughts and opinions on a particular subject, especially when I adore the author. I just am really interested in people and their opinions. I just uh, this sounds crazy because we hate other people's opinions on the internet so much. <laughs> Uh, but just like short story collections, I think they're a really great addition to your reading life. I think they make really good audiobooks. It's uh, also
1: very different than just the internet because you're actually going out of your way to pick up a book. A lot of times I'm reading Twitter. I'm like, I didn't ask for your opinion about this thing that I didn't ask for. Why are you on my timeline? Yeah, I just follow you, which that's my own fault. But yeah. but with an essay collection, you're actually you're saying like, I do want to know your opinion about this thing.
0: Well, and I think especially in this like culture where we get so many opinions so fast, get, reading an essay collection or listening to an essay collection is nice because you're getting – like the nice measured version of that. A thought it's, out
1: version. Yeah. It's, it's literally Twitter that you ask for. Yes. It's Twitter. Yes, these are Twitters <laughs> that you ask for. Expanded thought- thoughtful Twitter. It's really more nice. Than, more than 140 characters.
0: Um, I also think they really make great like purse books, like waiting in the car books, waiting in line books. Uh, they're also an awesome way to start learning about a particular subject. Um, you know, if there's just something that you're more interested in, like maybe you want your boyfriend to get more educated about feminism. Or maybe you want to learn more about a place that you're going to. Or maybe you're trying to make a big life decision and you want some opinions. Get an essay collection on it. Yeah. Like, I think it's one of my favorite things Um, is getting an essay collection that has to do with a place that I'm going to travel to. Oh, cool. Even if it's not like, here are the population. Here's the flag. Like, I don't care about all that stuff. I want to know, like, the sense of the place. That's cool. I like that. That's a good idea,
1: actually, it's, when you're it, traveling.
0: It's a lot of fun. I think it's just a cool reading Um reading thing. And so, Bray, do you have any, what are your favorite essay collections?
1: So this is where I'm going to, so this is another confusing, confusing thing about essays. Uh, the memoir versus essay line. They can line. be both. Right. They, an essay collection is not always a memoir, but right. a memoir can be an essay collection. So a memoir, yes. They don't have to be, neither one has to have crossover. No, 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 no. But no. They, there is a Venn diagram. If a memoir is just
0: like a straight shot of like, this happened in my life, and then this, and then this. Then right. It's not an essay collection, but a memoir can be a bunch of different essays about your life. Uh Like I think the one that you're about to talk yeah, about.
1: I, yeah, I was going to talk about Mindy Kaling's "Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me," which I really enjoyed. But I think of it as a memoir. But then I was just va- basically looking up essay collections that I had read, and I was like, "Oh, I did read that, and I guess that's an essay collection." Mallory is spitting her coffee oh, just back into her a
0: whole mouthful of coffee grounds. <laughs>
1: Gah. <laughs> a lot of problems this morning. Oh god. Okay. So for the sake of this episode I'm going to say that I do love that Mindy Kaling book. Um I also just read one I really liked. I wouldn't say it's like my favorite. I I don't know if I have like a favorite essay collection, but I I one I really liked was called um which was recommended by one of our guests. Uh Johnny Sun. Was it Johnny Sun? Um he recommended uh 100 Essays I I don't have time to write by Sarah Rule. Um I read it while I was on a set, and it's perfect because all of the it's all like one page essays, yeah. and they're all like about plays and theater and stuff. I talked about it on the show a little bit, um, and that was like a really great if you just want a book to like keep like in your purse, keep like to read at the line, in line at the grocery store. That's like the perfect book because you literally can finish an essay in two minutes. Yeah, so it was like a wonderful thing to have on a set. Um, I'm also going to say my favorite essays are probably by David Sedaris because I would say he, he does the memoir essay crossover. So you both learn about his life, but it's also usually an essay um, or they're mixed up in between. You call him an essayist, right? Essayist? I've never read him. Oh, um, yeah, gr- yeah. He's amazing. If you were trying to get into essays or memoirs, that's like that's the way to go. He's he's incredible. What, what about you? Do you have faves?
0: Uh, I'm tr- it was hard for me to uh, think about ones for this episode because I've talked about so many essay collections that I love. Uh, so ones that I don't think I've talked about on the show. Uh, you Don't Have to Like Me by Alita Nugent is super good it's just all essays about feminism and she's so funny um so poignant i love that one very much uh this is one of my first feminist essay collections uh so i always has a place in my heart is like the got me into feminism Mm -hmm. Uh, also one day we'll all be dead and none of this will matter by scotchy cool is so good she's so funny um, View from the Cheap Seats by Neil Gaiman is great, and it's basically a, a collection of of essays and speeches and blog posts, I think. It's just, like, a whole collection of, like, you know, just Neil Gaiman's nonfiction, essentially. In that. Wait, I
1: actually don't think—I've read some of his nonfiction, but I haven't read that full book. Maybe I should get It's that. great. I'm also very biased because Alan shot
0: the cover of oh, it. Ah, nice. Um, and then the They Can't Tell Us Till They Kill Us, um— that I just talked about is really really great. I just finished that recently. It was fantastic. There's an essay in there that really blew my mind. It was him, uh, it's a, him talking about going to a Bruce Springsteen concert as a black man, mm. and it was, how interesting it was for him to see all of these working class white people in the audience like cheering for Bruce Springsteen and like blue collar stuff, and then being mean to the people of color that were serving them at the concert.
1: Wow. And he was like, oh
0: wow, hey, where's your fucking working class pride? dude, it was a really like totally blew my mind. So it was one of those like essay collections. So if you know the um, like I'm familiar with Bruce Springsteen uh, if you know the uh, musician he's talking about, there's a lot of essays like that that look at certain scenes through the lens of music. There's one where he talks about like a lot of the racism in the punk scene. Yeah. Which blew my like such a fucking good essay. It's so yeah. amazing. I have to check um, this book out. That sounds amazing. I have it if you
1: want to. Oh, in my bar
0: also, a great way to find essay collections like we talked about before is to check out authors you love. Uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, Lauren Bucus. Uh It's not just book writers either. If there's like a journalist or a blogger or any kind of writer that you love, see if they have an essay collection. Uh, so you can send your thoughts on essay collections to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to Ann Donahue, who is a person I found on Twitter because I love her writing and she's releasing an essay collection soon, uh, we're going to take a quick break.
3: Beloved Maximum Fun Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation, is going out on tour. We are bringing Greatest Gen Con to a bunch of cities in the U.S. and Canada. It's our big tribute to-slash-send-up of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and we have a big leg coming up. (laughs) Yes, we are raising our legs on a number of cities in the coming weeks. (laughs) We're going to Washington, D.C. on August 23rd. The Bell House in Brooklyn, New York on August 24th. Mass Mocha in North Adams, Massachusetts on August 25th. Pittsburgh on the 28th. Boston, Massachusetts at the Wilbur Theater on the 29th. Atlanta, Georgia at the Earl on the 30th. Ferndale, Michigan at the Magic Bag on the 31st. Those are some great big rooms and some great big cities, Ben. And it's a really fun show. It's accessible even if you haven't listened to the podcast yet. We can't wait to see you when we're out on tour. Check greatestgencon.com for dates and ticketing information. And con is spelled K-H-A-N because Wrath of Con, greatestgen, K-H-A-N.com.
2: So uh, here we are with author Anne T. Donahue, author of the new book, Nobody Cares. and thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh my God, thank you for having me. Anne, what are you reading right now? Currently, I am holding in my hands Crazy Rich Asians because I never read it before and I want to prepare myself for the movie, which looks like it will probably be one of my top 10 favorite movies um, of all time. Uh, so Anne, you want to tell us about your upcoming book? I mean, always. Um, Okay, so it is a book of essays um, based on a weekly newsletter I've been doing for about two or three years. I can't remember because I am not professional in any capacity whatsoever. Um, The newsletter is basically an essay a week and uh, they're personal essays. It's usually they would be written and continue to be written from the perspective of where I'm at now like today's this week's was about aging and realizing that I'm too old to be an ingenue and I have to decide to be a grown-ass woman like I'm not I'm 33 this year so like here we go um and but then there are some about death and then there's sometimes people will write in and ask me stuff so publishers at ECW came to me and asked would you ever write a book in the spirit of your newsletter and I did and I wanted to so it's mostly essays they're all personal. Um, there are a couple of funnier, like, little listy things or, like, um, short, shorter pieces that break up some of the heavier stuff. But it goes into mental health a lot, uh, alcoholism. Shout out to my fellow alcoholics. And, um, I mean, family, death. Um, I really like writing about and talking about death. I don't know why, but it's very comforting to me. I think because it's something that we can't change. So the book is um, – very personal and it means a lot and people have been very kind since they've read it that people have gotten arcs and stuff and um I'm still quite terrified though for it to come out it's gonna be great so and did you read any essay collections to, pre- to prepare for writing this book I tried not to read them in, like as a preparation because I have the habit of whatever it is I'm consuming whether it be like a television show or a movie or a book um, I'll fall in love with the person's tone and then want to take on that tone. Do you know what I mean? Like, did you guys did you ever do that? Yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah, to me. Right. So, um, I luckily, I mean, I love books of essays in general. My friend Sachi Cool wrote One Day We'll All Be Dead and None of This Will Matter. Um, and that book was a really good example to me of what it's like to be. You can be funny and honest and light and dark and you can be the sum of all parts, which I think is really cool and important in being a person. Um, And there's, oh my Lord, there's so, there's so many. Um, Agabre Sidibe, I loved her book. Um, I got to interview her when she came through Toronto as part of her, like the Q&A in front of people. And um, she's also like so beautifully talented in terms of being very authentic and vulnerable, but also like very biting and very, um, just very sharp with her writing, which is amazing. And then my friend Dolly Alderton's book, um, everything I know about love. And then, I mean, now I'm just naming people who blurbed it, but I love their work. That's why I came to them. And then Aunt Emma Gannon's Control-Alt-Delete that came out a couple of years ago was um, a really touching and lovely coming-of-age book of essays. So I, we're living in a golden age of, of books of essays. As soon as I'm done talking to you guys, I'm going to be like, oh, shit, I meant to say this, and I meant to say this, and I meant to say this. So, like, I'm just going by what I'm literally physically surrounded by in this moment on my bed. You can email us those and we'll put them on the list too. Oh. Like we'll, put, we'll put links if you, there's any you think of later.
1: Okay. Uh, so is there a particular subject that you would love to read an essay collection about or
0: an
2: author that hasn't released an essay collection that you wish would? Oh man. Um, I love reading. I really like reading about people who have gone through it You know what I mean? Like people, you're like, well, this person has fucking seen it and they lived through it. And here we all are. Um, I like when people, so, I mean, I wouldn't even say a specific person, but I love when authors aren't afraid to go into the real shit, whether it be things that they have done that they're not proud of or, um, parts of life that touch all of us. Like I was saying, I, I'm obsessed with reading about death and all that stuff. Um, I think there's really poignant and beautiful ways of writing about the worst parts of your life that can make other people feel hopeful and other people feel a lot less alone. And um, yeah, I think the more books of those we see, the better it will be. And from everybody too, like I think the more voices we hear that matters to me as well, because I mean, I'm writing a book from like a cis hetero white chick from the suburbs of Ontario, Canada, Um, That is one voice, but that is not the ultimate voice. So I want to see those kind of books, real books, real books of essays from everybody, not just people that are cornering the market on on that sometimes. So have you always
0: liked writing essays or was there like a magic moment when you realized essays weren't always boring high school five paragraphers?
2: you know what? Oh God, remember getting essay assignments in school. Wanted to walk into the sea and just let it wash (laughs) over me where I could be taken out quietly. Um, I always liked the idea of writing, but I didn't think essays could be fun. And I didn't think essays could be fun until I wrote my first op-ed for my university paper when I was about 23. Because this was like, I'd already dropped out of college. Then I decided to start university because they're two different things here in Canada. And I was on the school paper and I got to write an opinion piece on I think it was like a review a a bit on Vicky Cristina Barcelona or I don't know I hated it so I was like opinions and then my editor posted it and I got such insane hate mail from all these dude Woody Allen fans and I remember being like oh my god are you gonna fire me and he was like absolutely not and I was like this is sick like can I write like this like can I write like this I can do essays like this Um, but it doesn't seem, I mean, in 2009, 2010, even 2011 and 12, it didn't seem like something people just did. Like some cool people had blogs, like Tavier had a blog, um, other now famous, like I think Kelly Oxford was a parent blogger at the time, but like, you were also like blogging what? And I remember, oh, this is embarrassing. Are you ready to feel all of the feels with me for one beautiful moment in our lives? Okay, good. Um, that movie about Amy Adams, yeah. Julie and Julia. She starts that cooking blog, and I remember thinking, "What is this?" And it was 2009. And I was sitting on my friend Katie's bed. I was house sitting for her, and I was so miserable at school, and I was so already starting to fail, and it was really bad. And I was like, "I'm going to start a blog." So I started a blog, and it's gone. So I can say it now, and it's called. <laughs> Um, oh fuck, I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> but it was basically of uh, the whole idea of like maybe if I work really hard, I'll be a writer one day. And guys, it was so earnest, but in such a way that like if you read it now, I would not be talking to you. Like you would be like, she's clearly She's like, I think a teen stuck in a twenty-something's body. She doesn't learn to no, grow up. Like we, it was so. We love so that. Like, we love it. I, I think dreams. I'm pro earnestness. I think I'm always trying to bring earnestness back. Okay, if you want to bring earnestness back, then this is great. I'll bring it back with you because it's our entire jam. <laughs> See, I love earnestness, but when it gets to the point where you want to be like, okay, like dial it down, or people like, there's a there's earnestness, and maybe it's preciousness that you that I'm kind of like. Too, but I'm also like a loud Irish poor, so like we are like more combative than we are. Let's all hug. Like if you guys told me I have a problem, I'd be like, "Who hurt you? Let's get back to them. We're gonna (laughs) revenge this shit." I've watched gangs in New York enough times. I think I can figure it out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so that's what my book's about. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just lots of essays on Gangs of New York. And i I'm just imagining myself as Daniel Day-Lewis' character over and over. You're like, this is very sad. Like, I why is she wearing a hat in her office? <laughs> I mean, my last name's O'Mara. Like, I'm, I w- I would
0: absolutely read that.
2: Wonderful. Or we can just start our own gang. I mean, like, I think between the three of us, guys, we can we can put a dent in New York City all over again. I don't know what <laughs> our ending is, but I did love those plaid pants they wore. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, um, tell us a little bit about your reading life. Like, do you have any, uh, book quirks, reading quirks that you want to share with us? Yes. Oh, always. I could talk about books forever because they are the best things in the world. Um, I, okay. So it is the way everything is kind of set up is my parents live quite close to me. And so I get all of the books that I am very fortunately sent by publishing companies sometimes, um, sent here to their house because we, uh, it, they go missing sometimes from my building, which is always exciting. So at my place, I have the books that I have yet to read that I brought over when I moved there. And then on the wall, it's all the books I've read. And then here against the wall in the room that like I'll crash at sometimes or like I stay at my parents all the time because I think once you get older, you realize your parents are cool and you love them. <laughs> it's like, oh, I like any mm-hmm. with you. I have like a whole wall of books I have to read here. So those are my weird organizational quirks. Um then I get I can't read right before bed because I get too into the book and I won't go to sleep which is weird. Um most people read to relax, but I will I I tried reading um I was trying to read Crazy Rich Asians before bed on Sunday and I got too into it and then got anxious because it got to a part where it was like something was happening. I'm like I'm not going to be able to sleep and then I thought you're 33, get a hold of yourself. Um but for the most part I like to read in the mornings, uh weekends oh my God, a Saturday morning read on a rainy day, okay. like shut it down. I'll do it day. I'll do it all day. God, I love it. I love it. And then I'll also go through little bursts where I will decide to read, um, maybe like two or three books at a time. Like I'll finish the chapter one and I'll move on to another one. But I was rotating between this one and then a book called Killings, which is an old book um and it's uh, essays from the new yorker from the late 1960s to the 19 I believe late 1980s but that's not something you want to like switch out and go back and forth from like a fun love story that is that is a you sit down and you just get ready to be depressed as hell and that's it so i had to stop that oh and then on sunday night also i read my friend jessica hopper's book night moves which comes out on the same day as my book so i go through these obsessive phases where i'll be like i read 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 and then I will not read for about a week and a half and then I'll start all over again. It's, I don't know why I've never really been able to maintain balance in my life. So I think this is just a runoff for that. <laughs> and where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at anti Donahue and you can find me on Instagram at anti Donahue. Um, I'm pretty good about branding myself because I had to add an initial because there's already a journalist named Anne Donahue. I wish and, and, and Donahue created CSI. So that's wow. also pretty, yeah. I mean, I get asked every so often on Twitter if someone can send me their script to read Uh (laughs) to be like, we, I have a CSI spec. Can I send it to you? And I'm like, I did not create CSI. And then they get mad. They always get mad. It's pretty wonderful.
1: That's because people are terrible. You should just let them send that script. They'll think they're doing something great.
2: (laughs) No, but then there's this part of me, the weird part of me that believes in like, karma and all that stuff that thinks that if I do that, then someone will read something I've said and will laugh at that. So I'm like, I have to maintain the balance. The only time I maintain balance. That's, that's it. So, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So it's time to look at some
0: book tech advances in bookish technology. This week's book tech is a website called www. I, you know what? I don't have to do that anymore. I could just say yonderbook.com. Truly. People don't use www anymore. True. true dating myself here um and it was sent in by dion who wrote just saw this and i thought it was really cool it connects to your goodreads account and if you click on stats it'll show you what percentage of men and women writers there are in a particular shelf it also helps you find ebooks or print books but honestly i think the gender thing is cooler so this is again yonderbook.com you go mm-hmm. on there you click on and like sync with your goodreads or whatever and like logs you into your goodreads and uh, it gives you stats about what you're reading. And it also works with Overdrive to find library books. So it can tell you, like, if you have a t- your, a to-read shelf on Goodreads, it can tell you what books are available in your local library.
1: Oh, really? On that shelf. Oh, I didn't even look at that shelf. Interesting. It's so
0: cool. Um, So, Bria, did you check this out?
1: I did. I didn't look at that to-read thing. I'll have to go back and check that. Um, I, this was very cool. I divided my books that I've read. I don't I have I basically started using Goodreads when we started doing this show. Yeah. I have this like period where I obviously did it for like a year or something, like eight years ago. And then there's about an eight year gap and then we start <laughs> doing the show. Um but I was very disappointed in myself. Bad bad reviews on me. I got sixty-one percent men, thirty-seven percent women, and I couldn't believe it. I really actually I really thought I read more women than men. I, I have like convinced myself of that. And I even write down who, what books i read like i keep a book journal yep and i don't know how i i was just really shocked that i was very shocked at this information um it bummed me out what what about you what did you get yeah
0: i think this thing is awesome i went through the exact same thing um the only problem obviously being guys that like it's only sorts gender by woman and man and yeah it's, yeah yeah like Obviously, gender binary is not real. And there are people who are non-binary and fall into the spectrum. So this is a very pr- primitive way of, of dealing with gender. Yeah, but I don't
1: think that, like, Goodreads has... Does Goodreads have an option? No, for... I don't think it does. Because so. it's pulling from Goodreads, I think. Yeah, and that obviously is something that needs to change. But there was an other category for me. Yes, there is an other. So I don't know if that's just like a non—people who chose like non-defined non-de- yes. or non-binary or people who just are—or could be an essay collection situation where there's more than one. Yeah. I don't know what they're defining those as.
0: So, so uh, you know, it still has some work to, to do, but I thought it was really interesting. My percentage was also 60-40 with my 40 being female, and
1: i got to step up my game. Uh, yeah, it really changed. I cannot believe... I was so shocked. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Look at all these women I'm going to read. I really thought it was going to be, like, like, way more women.
0: Yeah. Well, it's the kind of thing where I feel like for so long... Men have dominated so many areas areas of the arts, and it's that um you know do you ever read that study where if men if women make up a third of a room, I think that's the stat men think that women are taking over because they're so you we I think all of us are so used to everything being all men that even so even when there's a small percentage of women, it's so surprising and we're so not used to it that we perceive of it as more than we think,
1: yeah, well, it's the weird thing too, where I read so much science fiction and fantasy, and there are a lot of uh Female authors, there's a lot of lady writer, lady writers. <laughs> I'm just gonna start using that, uh, lady house, lady writers uh, in the sh- in the in in that genre. And I always think there's so many, but I forget that not actually.
0: I think we live in our own little bubble because we work so hard, and we also read in a very like, you know, we read really liberal science fiction. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely two camps, as is evidenced sure. by like. The Hugo Awards and stuff like that. Yeah. There's like the old school, old white guy sci-fi. And not not to say that there aren't classic sci-fi. There's and, like and Octavia read, Butler and stuff. Yes. But I think that there's more. It's a lot of the, the percentage back then versus the percentage now. At least yes. the ones that are published, there's more opportunities now. People are paying attention to it um, and, you know, working harder to get marginalized voices out there and you and I look so hard for that stuff and are so much more conscientious when we choose what we read but even still it's so easy to slip back into
1: just like reading dudes yeah I mean I would suggest this for anybody who's just like curious because you you know you can think what you think I mean I think I it is that thing where I just buy I just assume because I'm I'm going and finding all these female authors, I'm reading more, but mm-hmm. it still is easier to find male authors. Oh, 100%. I mean, and that doesn't mean there's not I mean, I'm not going to quit reading male authors altogether. If there's a lot of stuff that men are writing that I like. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not, and, and like I like I You know, I those like. men are okay. <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> but I mean, I, I just I need to like really pay more attention. Yeah. They made me really like Thank you, yonderbooks.com. Yeah. And I checked Yonder out the
0: book. the book finding part of it, too. I think it's really cool. It's a wicked helpful app, especially if you're trying to get more gender balanced with your reading. Uh, I give this a four out of five pages because I do think they're like they need to figure out a little bit. And I, also it's good reads, too. They need to you know, expand it a little bit more. I would also love I don't know how anyone would do this, but I would love to see this um, for LGBTQ authors mm-hmm. and authors of color. Um, I'd love to be able to literally plug my reading list and see, like, how diverse... Actually, you know what? not going to use the word diverse. I, as I saw a really cool thing on Twitter the other day. There was some sci-fi author talking about this. Where they were like, I don't like... I think it was Nnedi Okorafor, actually, mm. talking about how they didn't like the term diverse because it makes it seem like straight white dudes are, like, the norm and yeah. everything else is diverse when yeah. really it's just, like, that's just one type of person. Um, but I would love to see yonder books expand to, like, get people to read more widely. But I think everybody should totally check this out. Because, like you said, just like us, we think we read lots of women. Yeah. I mean, and we're close. 60-40 is not bad. But I w- would like it to be 50-50 at the very least.
1: Yeah. And I and I, I do wonder. I, don't, I didn't look into see, like, where they're pulling all this information from. Because that's the other thing is that you're going to have to let authors, like, sort of self-define so that yeah. they can say, like, what their gender... Uh, w- what their gender is, what how they define themselves, and so that's something. It's just gonna. I think this is a slow process, but it's interesting that someone is thinking of it and starting it.
0: Yes, no, yeah. de- and that's like you know. I think we could we we can all just do our best. And there are yeah. some like there are authors that have come out as trans or come out as non binary after they release their books. Yeah, so that's kind of mm-hmm. you know where do you put that book? Mm-hmm. Um. So, but you know, I think it's the author's discretion how they want to, you know, identify themselves. And I'm kind of excited for stuff like this because then it, you know, you can't tell unless you actually get to see the numbers. Yeah, yeah. So
1: everyone should check this out. But yeah, how many thank pages, you for sending
0: this, Dion. How Dionne. many pages would you give this, Bria? I'm
1: a, four know, out of five. What are you? Four, four out, five? out of five. I'm gonna say five out of five because I feel like they're relying, like, just like as far as what they made and they're relying on the the, st- the information that they have at this moment. But I think it could be. I would like to. I would like five out of five with like room to grow yes you know room to grow and i think like the more people using this obviously like we encourage people to go use it because then maybe they can get more data
0: yes you know but then
1: i think that will be really helpful to everybody absolutely
0: yeah so as always we want to thank danielle and kathy actually quick little uh note here danielle who is one of the moderators of our facebook group wrote in to let us know that kathy is one of one of the other moderators there and kathy works super super hard our facebook group is so fucking incredible. There's so many of you in there. You're all amazing. The community there is so supportive and so awesome. I, Bria and I don't go in there as much as we should because I don't go on Facebook as much as I should. And I left Facebook. I know Bria's on a Facebook hiatus right now. I pop my head in there every once in a while to like make announcements and shit. But Danielle and Kathy, thank you both so much, seriously, for all the hard work that you do in making such a great community. We really, really appreciate it. We are Astounded all the time. I think there's 1,500 people in there. Almost fifty. Wow, 1, really? Like cool. 1,400, somewhere between the two. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, it's That's amazing. so many. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. Uh, and then Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. And remember that you can buy reading glasses, tote bags, shirts, and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. Link in the show notes. You can support the show and show off your love of reading. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com, find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookshit ventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Thanks for reading. reading.
2: It is only now, these years later, that Rahel, with adult hindsight, recognized the sweetness of that gesture. A grown man entertaining three raccoons treating them like real ladies, instinctually colluding in the conspiracy of their fiction, taking care not to decimate it with adult carelessness or affection. It is, after all, so easy to shatter a story, to break a chain of thought, to ruin a fragment of a dream being carried around carefully like a piece of porcelain, to let it be to travel with as Velota did, is much the harder thing to do. The God of
3: Small Things by Otto Hunty Roy. MaximumFun.org Comedy and Culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.